question, but in marriage she slowly became less wild. To Manny's great disappointment, though, her domestic skills didn't rise to the fore as her sexual and artistic ones receded. Edie proved to be a dreadful cook, and throughout their life together the food she prepared was often like poison. When they opened Spirit in the Woods in 1952, they both knew that finding an excellent cook would be essential to the enterprise. If the food wasn't good, then no one would want to come. Edie's shy second cousin, Ida Steinberg, a survivor of that other kind of camp, as someone had tastelessly said, was hired, and in the summertime the Wonderlicks ate like royalty. But in the off-season, when Ida only worked occasionally for special events, they generally ate like two people in a gulag. Glutinous stews, potatoes and various iterations. The food was bad, but the conversation was vigorous as they sat and talked about many of the campers who had come through these stone gates and slept in these teepees. Lately, as the year 2009 came to a close, they could no longer remember all of them, or even most of them, but the coin-bright ones shone through the murk of the Wonderlick's memory. Manny had unconsciously begun grouping the campers over the decades into categories. All he needed was a name, and then the thought process and classification could begin. Who became a great talent? he asked. Mona Vandersteen, you remember her, she came for three summers. Mona Vandersteen, dance, he suddenly thought. Dance, he said tentatively. His wife looked at him, frowning. Her hair was as white as his hair and his out-of-control eyebrows, and he could not believe that this thick, tough old pigeon was the same girl who'd loved him the way she had done back on Perry Street just after the Second World War. The girl who'd sat on a bed with a white iron headboard and parted her labia in front of him. He'd never before seen such a sight, and his knees had almost given out. She had sat there, opening herself like little curtains, and smiling at him as though this was the most natural behavior in the world. He'd just stared at her, and she'd said, Well, come on, without any indication of shyness. Like a giant man, he had crossed the room in one big step, throwing himself upon her, his hands trying to part her further to split her and yet own her at the same time, conflicting goals that somehow got worked out over the next hour in that bed. She grasped the rails of the headboard. She opened and closed her legs upon him. He thought she might kill him accidentally or on purpose. She was wild that day and for a long time afterward, but then eventually the wildness faded. The only part that now remained of that slight, flexible girl was the cheese-grater texture of the heels of her feet. Her body had been stocky since the early 1960s, and it wasn't childbirth that had done this. The Wonderlicks had been unable to conceive. And though there was pain in this fact, it had been blunted over time by all the teenagers who came through Spirit in the Woods. Edie, back in late middle age, seemed to have been physically rebuilt in the image of a pyramid. No, she was built, Manny realized one day, like one of the teepees they could see out their window across the road. One of the teepees that had lasted all this time and never needed repair, never needed anything, because they were so primitive and basic and self-contained. Mona Vandersteen was not a dancer. Edie said now, think again. Manny closed his eyes and thought. Various girls from camp obediently appeared before him, like the muses, dancers, actresses, musicians, weavers, glassblowers, printmakers. He pictured one particular girl with her arms thrust into a bucket of purple dye. Now he felt an old twitch and stir in his hiked-up trousers, though this was only phantom limb arousal since he was on hormones for prostate cancer and had budding breasts like a girl and hot flashes of the kind that his fairly stupid mother used to complain about as she fanned herself with a copy of Silver Screen magazine in their Brooklyn apartment. Manny was a physical disaster now, chemically castrated, 
his young doctor had actually cheerfully used that word, and almost nothing got him going anymore. He thought of the name Mona Vandersteen, and a new image rushed to meet him. Yes, she had wavy blonde hair, he said to his wife with false certainty. Back in the 1950s, she was one of the earliest group of campers, played flute, and went on to join uh, the Boston Symphony Orchestra. It was the 60s, Edie said, seeming a little annoyed, and oboe. What? She played the oboe, not the flute. I remember this because she had reed breath. What is reed breath? Didn't you ever notice that the woodwind players who use reeds always have a certain kind of bad breath? You never noticed this, Manny, really? No, Edie, I did not. I never noticed her breath or anyone else's, he said piously. I just remember that she was so talented. Also, he remembered that she'd had narrow hips and a big pleasing ass, but this he did not add. Yes, Edie said, she was very talented.